Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and I've got some new friends on the line with me. I've got Clinton and Charity Munoz. And so, guys, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. We feel honored to be on the show and uh, just sharing our testimony. We hope it just gives a lot of listeners hope. Yeah, I think we're going to uh, we're going to be exploring your story, letting our audience kind of get to know you and and a little bit about your ministry and how God's been leading you in that. Um, first of all, where are you guys located? We are in beautiful South Orange County, California. Okay, yes, Southern California. Today, I think it was like <laughs> sixty-five or seventy. So, yeah. My wife and I, some years ago, we actually, uh, our anniversary is in the end of December. And so we spent our anniversary out down in San Diego. Oh, and I dear. thought, what a boring place to be a meteorologist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm sunny, you know, so, but I also get why people maybe will put up with the high cost of living because it's a gorgeous place to live. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. we justify the high expenses and we always just say it's because of the weather. Yeah. It is beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, we are excited to have you guys on the program here. And so let's just dive in. Um, uh, I'd love for our audience to just kind of get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your story, kind of where you've been and kind of how you've gotten to this place where now God has obviously called you into a ministry to uh, share your story as a way to invite other couples into a healing journey when there's been sexual betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can kind of kick it off. Um, I, I just can attest, no one wants us to be part of their story, right? We definitely didn't, you know, have a vision of like, you know, here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll all just develop sexual addiction and then we'll get married and then we'll overcome it. We'll write a book. We'll do a podcast. That was never our plan for the future at all. Um, I was nine years old when I first saw nude images and then again, really saw more pornographic images at the age of 11 and it developed an addiction. Um, we talk about it being the thing I used to soothe my life. And then you, I'm, you're very familiar with how guys develop an addiction. And so that happened for me at a young age. It became the thing that I used to celebrate with and to even cope with just all of life. And I definitely minimized it when I talked to charity and we were, you know, when we were engaged and even just kind of, we, we definitely courted to get married. It was our goal to kind of date to see if we could get married and stay married. And I minimized the addiction. And then once we got married, the addiction just kind of got worse. I really believe it was connected to an intimacy disorder that I had where I didn't even know how to be intimate, not just sexually, but in life. And when you get married, intimacy in some parts just kind of happens because you're in close proximity 24 seven. And uh, I didn't know how to do that in a healthy way. And so I ran to my addiction even more with, as life got 
just full of more stress. I ran to it more. And um, Charity found out initially a couple years in and then found out more uh, that it had gone from pornography use to even worse things such as strip clubs, massage parlors, things like that. And, um, and then we almost got divorced. It was, it was really the topic of she was ready to leave if I didn't change. And we hit that rock bottom moment where we got some counseling and I just kind of denial broke and I was able to go and join different programs and get a sponsor and really get a ton of help in that process and time charity had written a workbook for women um, that is going to be coming out about betrayal and just how that looks to handle betrayal. And I kind of, and I just felt God leading me to come alongside her and her vision of what that looked like. So we started restored to more with the purpose of helping couples rebuild intimacy after infidelity and that's what we do today. So we're really excited about doing that full time and helping people understand not only how to get free from their own addiction or how to really heal from betrayal, but how to come together as a couple after that. And, and I talk a lot because I'm a talker, but Charity actually was the initial visionary of this entire thing. So I've definitely just kind of been on hang on to her coattails and it's been a great ride so far. So I've really been enjoying her so, coattail. So now before we actually hear Charity's side of kind of how you got to this place, uh, how, how long, so how long into your marriage was this, that things started coming out more about the other issues that were going on besides the pornography? Um, we, I found out two years into our marriage, I, I had discovered, um, a Twitter account that was filled with porn and it kind of just unraveled. Um, it, there was really like no denying anything. He couldn't really hide um, some of the things that I had found. I'm like, this says your name. So um, it's on your phone. And so then that kind of unraveled. And that's when more of a progression kind of came out with everything that he had acted out on. And, um, and right there, I think is where we started a lot of trial and error. And yeah. what I mean by that is, we kind of were lone rangers and we started opening up to some people, but unfortunately they had good intentions. Um, their heart was pure, but they were just, uh, there's a lack of education there on how to come alongside us both. So the advice um, did more damage than it did good. And so then we just hid in more shame and then two more years came out and it was still a problem. And I was like, Hey, this is, yeah. we need to take better action, more things. And I was kind of like, Hey, we need to, we need to implement some more things to actually see some more fruit. Now, Clinton, did you, uh, what was your background related to, let's say, uh, church, Christianity, faith? I mean, were you, were you raised with a, with a faith orientation or, or tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my dad was a pastor for a lot of my life growing up. I was a PK. I accepted the Lord in my heart to the best of my understanding at the age of seven. And I had an ongoing relationship with Christ. I loved Jesus. And the way I describe it was all these years of addiction. When I was in church, when I was on mission trips, when I was leading worship and leading a Bible study, I truly felt that that was the real me, the real me that could just be open about Jesus. And, and I would even share hints of struggle with other men and that would bring us together. And as a few times I shared, I struggled with pornography and they would come alongside me and they were my age or even older and say, oh man, I'm here for you. And that felt great. But it was like, you know, I've heard it said like, I can be the person I want to be in church, but I don't, it doesn't last very long after I leave the doors. And so that was my relationship with Christ. I just never understood, you know, how I could have this addiction. And, and yeah. So Charity, then what's kind of, what's your background and tell us your side of the story. Um, yeah, so born and raised in the church and, um, and so when we were 
dating. We were, when we were courting, he had mentioned like, Hey, you know, this used to be um, an issue, but it's not as bad as, you know, it used to be. And so, you know, love is blind. And, um, and so we were, and Clinton's a liar. (laughs) 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 True. Um, very good at deceit. And, um, and so, for me, I, I kind of walked in blind, blinded um, to what I was walking into, and I didn't really know the depths of what pornography was, um, and I also didn't know the effects it could have on the mind and the body and yeah. how addictive it was. And so I was very naive, very ignorant of education around the topic. And so when it, it came out, I was devastated. I was in shock. I um, was discombobulated. I remember just, I remember just believing like, there is no way that this is my husband. Like it seemed like he had lived a a completely different life and it made me question everything. It made me question our entire marriage. And, um, that slowly kind of turned into me thinking that I could fix the problem, fixing the addiction. Um, I put a lot of shame on me. Like there was something wrong with me. We just need to have sex more. That was one of the advice that we had gotten was, Hey, you know, wear them out. And so then that advice put the problem on me, me thinking that I can fix it. And so I started changing. I started becoming a different person. And then when I found out he was still acting out, I was just so lost. I was like, there's, I'm not good enough, you know, and there's, and then there, it just became just so much pain internally that I was internalizing. And, um, I just started becoming really numb and our relationship kind of was just, it was just existing. It wasn't really a a deep, authentic relationship. It was just, okay, I guess this is going to be our life. And I guess, I guess this is what it's always going to be there. And we're just going to have, um, you know, a coasting relationship and no depth to it. And I'm just going to accept that all men look at pornography and because it's not talked about and there's a lot of shame around it and a lot of denial. And so, um, that's where we were until he continued to do it. And we're like, we need more help. So let me ask you when, when you guys were dating and when there was at least some kind of disclosure that at some level there was this problem, it sounds like Clinton probably put it in the historical. A lot of guys do that. I, you know, I used to struggle with this. I used to, um, what, what was your initial reaction charity to, to that? I mean, you said love is blind, right? But, but how did that initially hit you when you found out, okay, there's, there's something about this knight in shining armor that isn't so shiny. Mm. How did you first react to that? And then what was that like later then to find out again, that this is something that is actually a reality in Clinton's life? Totally. I think in the beginning, I was so naive to even understanding my own feelings. Um, I, my upbringing was, I grew up in a divorced family And so, um, I grew up really quickly at a young age and started taking care of my brother. And, um, so my idea of sex was, I didn't really even know, honestly, like what a healthy relationship looks like with a healthy, um, sex life. And it wasn't talked about. So for me, when he first said that, because he had said it was so in the past, I really like. I was like, well, we all have our baggage was my perspective. Like I have things that I'm ashamed of too, that, you know, I've done with boyfriends that I am not proud of. So he really made it seem like he wasn't going to bring that into our marriage. So I really like, there was a thought process that every guy struggles with pornography. And 
because it's not talked about. And if it is talked about in the circles that I was in, it was like, Hey, every guy struggles with that charity, like every guy less. And so it was really normalized in my head thinking that it's okay. And if it's okay, if he looks at it once or twice, cause you know, they have needs and they just need to, you know, mm-hmm. get their need fixed. So in the beginning, it really didn't affect me. Um, which is as sad as it is. It just, it was normal to me back then. Um, where now I am in tune with my feelings. I'm in tune with my emotions and I'm in tune with the real, the reality of what pornography makes me feel. And there was a question that when um, I had found out the second time, four years into our marriage, that there, that this was a real issue. The woman looked at me and she said, how does it feel knowing she was talking to Clinton, but she said, how does it feel Clinton knowing that you've been cheating on your wife for four years. And that's when I felt like I could be real because it was the first person that acknowledged that what he had been doing was cheating. And I think there's just this justification in today's society with young couples thinking that it's normal, thinking that it's okay, that you're not affected, which in reality is just complete false. And I was affected by it. Like there's no way that I wasn't the, the man that I love, the man that I married, the, the man that I, that was, my body was only supposed to be for him, him to see. And that's it. And vice versa. That's how God intended marriage. That's how God intended sex. And the fact that he was looking at other women's bodies and then like having action upon that with masturbation, like it rocked my world. And I went into a deep depression and downward spiral and um, just had a lot of trauma. Can I add something to that? Yeah. I just want to say, I think, you know, you've heard people say like Oh man, that put words to my feelings, right? But some, I think Charity's case, she didn't even know what she felt. She just knew something was off. And so, and I don't know what you would call that, but in that instance, I saw her actually admit, wow, I'm actually feeling something. I'm I'm affected by this. And I think for a long time she was in denial that it was even affecting her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the way I typically put it is, uh, especially when I'm talking to guys, because a lot of times guys are just, they get deer in the headlights look when they're trying to figure out their wives. Mm-hmm. And and I'll put it to them this way. I'll say, guys, women know even when they don't know. <laughs> and yeah, what I mean good. by that is when God made Adam and looked at this perfect human being and said, it's not good the state that you're in. Aloneness is not good. You're not made for that. And then God said, I will make a helper that fits you. I believe that part of the way God designed the woman to fit as a helper for the man is he made her with a quality that men don't have. And that is intuition. Mm -hmm. Women have this ability to feel on a level that when guys tell me, oh, I'm intuitive. I'm like, no, you're not. You (laughs) You may be smart. You may be, you know, brilliant in terms of intellectually, but you don't have that quality that God has put into women. And the problem is, though, that most men don't see that as something that is helpful. Mm. Because when you're hiding a secret, right, Clinton, when you're trying to kind of cover things up and be deceitful, it's not helpful that your wife feels it. She knows it, even though she doesn't have the details. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because it sounds like there was a period of time where, Charity, you're kind of going through this this healing process, but Clinton has not yet come fully clean or fully broken. Is that is that correct? So, because it sounds like there was a period of time there where there's a disclosure, but 
maybe things had not finally come to a place where Clinton, you're all in, you're ready to do something about it. Is that right? Can I talk about that? Yeah, you can. Or you can, yeah. Sure. I think so. Yeah. Our, our healing process, I guess if I can just kind of step by step it out, it was mainly charity knew about what was going on and I was denying it, but there's no denying it. Cause my, my, it was like evident that that was me that was acting out in those ways. Um, I had lied for a long time about changing. So I was like, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I, and she could see that I hated it too. I wasn't like justifying my actions. I would cry and I would sob and I would ask God to change me. I was looking back. I was definitely asking, you know, for a private healing to a private sin. I, I wasn't really willing to admit addiction and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so what had happened is she said, well, the last chance is us going to this counseling and seeing what it does. And in that counseling was when I came face to face with the reality, this is an addiction. We came back, I started getting the program. So the reality was actually, it was kind of the opposite where I actually started a process of healing of going to groups. I got involved in a 12 step recovery group. I got involved with a sponsor. I had accountability teams. I had groups I was going to regularly to share my, what was going on and charity was left with nothing. She was just in the left with the wake of the reality that yes, my husband's been cheating on me since we've been married. He's had a, maybe not one woman, but he's had thousands of women that he has sought for this acceptance, for this love. And it hasn't been me. And that wrecked her body where you actually had hair loss and weight loss. And so that began our journey of, wow, this is happening actually a lot. There are programs out there, like even what you guys offer, man, Gateway to Freedom and so many great things out there. There are programs for men, but we're finding there's not a lot of help for women and there's even less help for actual couples going through something together. And that's where our inspiration was born for restored to more. Mm -hmm. So charity then, so as you're, and this is not by the way, uh, untypical in terms of, of the disparity between resources and help and those kind of things. Thankfully there's been a massive closing of that gap in recent years. Um, But here's what, what I see typically happen is a very, your story is, if I could put it this way, you know, very typical in the sense of like when there's going to be some kind of healing that goes on. And usually what it looks like is, okay, the husband finally breaks, finally gets to that point of like, okay, it's not about being a serial confessor. It's about actually being repentant. Like there's a godly sorrow that produces a changed heart. And so you start getting plugged into resources. You start actually, in some ways, it's like you're shot out of the blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel lighter because man, all these secrets you've been carrying, you're not carrying anymore. And that so much of that knowledge is brand new to your wife, even yeah. though, like we said a minute ago, she's known something's been wrong. It's not like she's been in the dark emotionally but now she's got the specific details. And usually what tends to happen then is, Charity, you feel stuck, right? You mm-hmm. feel like, okay, he may be moving forward, but I'm going backward. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes even the desire that a husband may have in their newfound freedom and hope for a different life, their, their attempts to try to connect and help their wives usually fall flat because you're in a very different state of mind and being. So can you talk a little bit about that for the wives out there that are going, yep, that's me. I know what that feels like, but I don't necessarily know what to do. Totally. Yeah. I remember him going, all of a sudden he's like, 
joining all these groups and programs and he's doing all these things. And I remember him coming home and just being, becoming a different person. He's growing, he's changing and, and he's feeling a sense of freedom because for the first time in, you know, 15, 17 years of his life, he is now feeling free. He's sharing a secret that he's had in hiding for such a long time. And here I am, I've been living a free life. I haven't been in secret. And now he shares with me all this information. I am in a completely different place than he is. I am not feeling free. I am feeling sick. I'm feeling grossed out. I'm feeling like I'm questioning our marriage. I'm questioning who I am. I'm now mad at myself that I didn't discern you know, sooner I was mad at my intuition. Like, and so I I felt like I couldn't even trust myself anymore because I knew my intuition was right. But in the process, even beforehand, he was so good at deceit and lying and manipulation and gaslighting that it made me feel like I'm crazy, you know? And so finally that now all this had come out, I'm like, well, now I don't even know if you're telling the truth or not, because for such a long time, I thought you were telling the truth, but you weren't. And so I'm just sit there. And I, I felt like, we got in a car accident and he's now in the hospital on the hospital bed, getting major surgery, fixing himself. But I was left behind and I'm just sitting there mm-hmm. internally bleeding and not knowing where to go with all of my junk out and just in shock and fear and sadness. And I just felt, I felt so alone. Isn't it interesting too, how a lot of times the, the brokenness flips or the the pain flips. So for instance, you know, a lot of times what tends to happen is, okay, prior to full disclosure and the betraying spouse starting to get help, the betrayed spouse feels like they're the one that is pursuing and the other one is fleeing. Well, guess what? It kind of flips around, doesn't it? Because now Clinton's in recovery and he's wanting to pursue you and you're like, man, I'm fleeing. I'm I'm pulling back. Or the idea of, okay, there's been a lot of, uh, of denial and shame that Clinton has been carrying. Well, now he's starting to find freedom from that. But w- now what are you feeling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm feeling a, a lot of shame and even, even denial in some ways of like, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my own emotions. So sometimes there's this like mirror effect yeah. in terms of all of that gets dumped in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk a little bit about what were some what were some positive breakthroughs that started to give maybe both of you a sense of of hope that something could be something new could be built that was better than what you even had before. Totally. You know, I just want to start by saying answer that question. I just want to start by saying, um, you know, Charity was willing to overcome her own denial. And we talk a lot about this, how the process of restoration, not only does it mirror the ugly side, but the, the side to get healing and find this to find restoration is also mirrored. And I, I just, I continue to say thank you because and I, I hope I always do to the day I die that charity was willing to admit that I am being greatly affected by this. And I just, that's what we see lacking in a lot of couples. The guy is able to admit now, okay, I have a problem. I have an addiction. I have sexual addiction, but I just, there's so many wives out there that aren't really willing to admit that I'm greatly affected by his actions. And it's like you said, like you can be, you know, you can be at home having internal bleeding, but you can also tell yourself I'm fine and not go check in the hospital and you have to go and get checked in. And when I asked her what she was doing and she said, Oh, I'm reading a book about what you did to me. 
yeah, okay. It was like, she shot me, but I was grateful. I mean, it was almost like, I wasn't even mad that she's like mad at me or saying a, a, a comment that's meant to hurt me. Cause I'm like, wait, what? Like you're reading a book about what you're going through. You're, you're, you're going to go see maybe a therapist for what you're going through. You're going to listen to a podcast from another woman talking about this. Wow. That's amazing. And the minute she did that, I just knew there was hope because I had already made the decision to do whatever it took, no matter what it, what it takes to get free from the addiction. And when I saw her moving towards, I want to figure out what's wrong with me. I want to figure out why am I being affected by this? I can't imagine what the woman goes through. I got to imagine it's horrible because they have to, they have to admit, gosh, I hate this. I hate that my husband did this. And now I have to go do work for this. Like what a joke, what a, what a, what a flipping joke. You know, I don't want to spend my money, my time investing in this issue. It's not even my issue but she was willing to kind of put her pride aside and do that. And that's when there was hope for me, at least for our relationship long-term. So true. So true. I think one of the more difficult things for me to overcome was realizing that this did affect me and I needed just as much help as Clinton did and realizing I'll never forget walking up the steps on a cold night to my first group where I knew, knew no one. And now I have to share this story about what my husband had done to me and I was there not on my own will because of something I did, but because somebody else did to me. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I remember being nervous. I wanted to throw up. I was just pissed. I was pissed. That I even had to be there. I'm like, I'm here because I don't, my husband is the reason why I'm here, you know? And I just remember being so frustrated at that. And, but I really believe that we started seeing growth and change and transformation in our relationship. And even in ourselves, when we both owned our own journey. And I think, for us specifically, it was saying, I can't fix you and I can't even worry about you because you have got your own stuff going on and I got my own stuff going on. There was trauma that needed to be healed in my mind, in in my heart, and there was addiction that Clint was learning about and putting a name to finally. So um, really what was a game changer for us is when we both individually said, we are both going to get help for ourselves and start understanding. It was so, it brought so much healing when I started understanding trauma. It, it brought me so much healing when I started to understand his addiction and what pornography does, because it helped me realize that it was, it was never about me ever. It was always about um, Clinton in the, in the condition of his heart and that he was medicating feelings that he had gotten used to since he was a child. And it brought compassion. Me understanding brought compassion for Clinton. And him understanding betrayal trauma brought empathy for me. Mm-hmm. And so education is so important in the healing process because it helps you understand the other person and it brings so much healing to the individual. So I think really what brought a lot of hope for us was starting to get educated. Yeah, I love what you're saying because uh, it's 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 hard for both spouses to take those initial steps towards healing. Um, you know, on, on Clinton's side, it's hard because man, you're so familiar with the sin. You're so familiar with the secret that there is a, there's a terror in saying what, what happens when I bring something that's been in the dark out into the light? What happens to me? What happens to my relationships? What happens to my reputation? You just, I mean, fear is often what will keep us in that secrecy. But there's also a tremendous amount of, of terror on the wife's side. Because like you were saying, Charity, I, I don't, this is not a, I didn't put this yoke on myself. Like mm-hmm. this is somebody else's 
burden to bear and somehow it got placed on me. And so there's a lot of fear also of many of the similar things. What will this mean to me and my reputation and my relationship? And if I actually deal with this honestly, uh, yeah. but one of the things I, that was coming to my mind as you were, you, you were sharing there was it's interesting how the issue of, of justice actually will come front and center in this and it's something that will cut both sides. In other words, um, Clinton, when you're recognizing that God is a God of justice, man, doesn't that cut you? It's yeah. like, I have been, I've been lying. I have been committing an injustice against my wife. But also for you, Charity, to recognize that justice is a powerful thing and it is actually right to be angry when an injustice has been done to you. And so the healing process, I think very much is like you're operating on both sides of this same issue of justice. And it's amazing how God will take us through that to, to bring us to good places. But I want to, I want to ask you guys now about um, the formation of the ministry and really specifically talking as we kind of wrap up here, we've just got a few minutes left about what did it, what did it then look like uh not only to start putting your story out there to help others, but really specifically, what did it look like in the area of rebuilding trust? Because yeah. that is a, a foundational key element. I've tell people all the time, the key to the most intimate relationships, whether it be marriage or any friendship is trust. Yeah, mm -hmm. You cannot have an intimate bond with somebody else without there being deep trust. So talk a little bit about that. Well, now you're talking about the thing that we are most passionate about. You know, our story is us relating to thousands of couples out there, but we always say relate, educate, elevate. And we're talking about the elevation part of a relationship because we believe that yes, trust is the pivotal thing. And once you build trust, how do you go deeper than that? Because we believe that God designed marriage to be an intimate bond that has all these things. And so there are many different, uh, different writings, but we believe there's over 12 different levels of intimacy. And this is really what we're writing our book about is the 12 keys to rebuilding intimacy after infidelity. And, and so just to, I don't know, I'll just hit on one of them, right? One of those things we did, because there's a lot we can about trust, but we love talking about intimacy and how do you build intimacy? So one thing that we did is we developed um, just what, what is the down to spiritual intimacy? So spiritual intimacy was us doing a devotional together, learning how to pray together, learning how to worship together, even in the midst of the hurt and the pain, you're talking about two, two people that, don't even know how to be around each other physically, but we're going to choose to do certain activities that not only build trust, but build back a sense of, wow, I want to be in this relationship. Not just, hey, I'm okay seeing you in the hallways, but I want to be, I want to build a friendship here. I want us to date all over again. I want us to have non-sexual intimacy for a while and have intimacy that is much deeper than that where we're learning about each other. And so the first thing we did was we, we talked about spiritual intimacy and that was for us a Devo and learning how to pray together, even if it meant not holding hands while you pray, right. But just being around each other and I'll let chair hit on another part of that. So go ahead. Yeah. For us, it was in the beginning. I always have to take ourselves back to the beginning because it was really hard to even be in the same room with that person. Yeah. You know, there's two hurting people who are both just going through a lot. And it's like, how do we even start a conversation? And we're under the same roof. We have children together. We want to make this work, but it is just hard. And we both gotten, you know, through hard therapy sessions, maybe that day. 
And so we set boundaries around when it was appropriate to talk to each other about our restoration healing process. And um, because I think time is a filter system, meaning it's going to filter out what's most important to talk about. Because when you are in a restoration process, you realize that there is so much that you both are uncovering about yourself. You're learning a lot and you just want to share it all the time. But when you're hurt, it may not be the most appropriate time to talk about something. And so we learned that from a lot of trial and error. And so we put up <laughs> boundaries in, in place. And some of those boundaries um, was co- communicating uh, once a week on a Sunday. We set aside like three to four hours and um, we just had a glass of wine and we played cards and we allowed it to be this safe place for me and him to communicate the things that we were that we wanted to talk to each other about. And that we wanted to share about what we were learning, maybe from group or therapy or talk about how um, his game plan for sobriety was going. Um, That was our precious time that we had set aside for one another just to feel safe and to have turns for um, each other to share important information um, that we had maybe learned that week or maybe self-care that worked but didn't, that we thought was going to work but didn't really work. And so it was just this place where we felt safe to talk and, and we didn't really feel safe to do that anywhere else or doing anything else. That was like the perfect first step for us. It was like not too much. And, um, because I think at times in our relationship was, we didn't even know where to start. We didn't know how to communicate. And so we would just dump a lot of stuff on each other, a lot of garbage and junk. And, um, and when, when we did that, it wasn't, we weren't progressing. We felt like we were stagnant or moving backwards. Yeah. So, um, it just started with some recreational intimacy. And the only thing that we knew how to do back then was just sitting there. And sometimes maybe we didn't even share anything, but we just played cards and maybe we chuckled, you know, if somebody beat the other person, but doing that helped rebuild our intimacy and started building trust and safety back in the relationship. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys sharing your story and kind of giving some of these insights. I think it's going to be really helpful to a lot of listeners who are just feeling like, hey, I we're trying to put the pieces together. We're trying to figure out what the next steps are. Um, I, I see a uh, restored to, to more branded card game coming out maybe in the next, oh, I like it. Uh, in the next year. But <laughs> yes. uh, tell, us, tell us where our listeners can go to find out more about y'all's ministry and resources that you guys provide. Yes, we'd love to. One thing that I'll say, you can mention that where to go. You know, what we aim to do is really could be the person that we didn't have. You know, we didn't have another couple that was going to sit across the table from us, whether it was virtually or in person, just say, hey, I've been there. And so everything we produce, everything we create is really just to do that for another couple out there. It's to say, hey, we've been in your shoes. Like we get it. And we'd love to come alongside you in your journey of being restored to more. So you can go to our website. Uh, our website is restored with the number two more.com. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel where we do three to four minute topics once a week on Thursdays. We share on a topic um, that we just, we love to discuss. Um, we love to educate on. One was, you know, um, does more sex fix the addiction? Uh, another topic was um, no pom-poms for sobriety. So it's just sharing some insights that we wish we would have had in our restoration journey um, from a couple's perspective who's been there. And then um, we also have an Instagram that we upload some Instagram inspiration. And then our podcast, um, we post once a week and uh, our podcast is restored to more. All of our social media platforms are restored to more um, with the number two. So anybody who wants to look up some more resources or tools can find us on those platforms. Thanks for letting us plug those in there. 
Well, Clint and Charity, thank you again for uh, just your story and being willing to uh, to share it and for being on the program today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. The honor is all ours. We're so grateful to learn from you and be here for sure and helping people. Yeah. Well, listeners, uh, you know, we're always grateful for you and uh, please uh, rate and review the podcast when you get a chance, but we're glad that you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.